I've had the uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know uh, Jeremy over the last a year, I guess. Last year at youth camp, and then this year uh, we did a little more at youth camp together, and uh, it's just been an incredible, uh, just been an incredible year to get to know. And, and I value your friendship, and I value your uh, commitment to to the church and to the camp, and just the investment you've made in my life personally. So thank you so much. God bless you this morning. And we're good. It's, uh, I just realized sitting here this morning, it was 11 years ago this week that I was here last time. And I don't know if anybody was here 11 years ago, um, but uh, this was when I was launching our church. We had uh, planted a church in Sault Ste. Marie. It was a campus-only uh, church for uh, uh, students at the university and the college. And uh, so that was October 18th, 2004, when we got that going. And uh, you guys, as a church, took up a love offering at that time as we were getting launched. And uh, you bought us a computer that we needed to present all of our stuff on the screens and whatnot. And uh, thank you. That, that thing, we prayed it in for seven years. That thing kept going, that computer. And finally, it bit the ghost. And uh, we got something new and everything else. But just as a little update, uh, our campus ministry continues to flourish. And uh, we went on and added an all-ages church as well. So not only was I pastoring the campus church, but uh, two years later, we launched an all-ages family church as well. So we had Sunday morning and Monday nights going, and I took care of that for a number of years. And three years ago, we were able to bring on somebody, another pastor who took care of my campus stuff, and uh, Meredith Broughton, who was actually here uh, uh, counseling for youth camp as well, Meredith and Jared. And uh, she came on, her and her husband, and they oversee our campus church and our family church is growing and doing very well also. And uh, we ended up buying a building downtown, uh, right on the main drag, Queen and Bruce, right across from our hockey stadium. And uh, God is doing really good things. So thank you for being a part of that dream. And uh, it's just an honor, Bill, to be back here on Sunday morning with you guys. And uh, as Jamie said, it has been an awesome week, a long week, a uh, tiring week, but uh, a God-refreshing week. And that's the one thing I find every year coming. Though physically I might find myself a little drained uh, by the end of the week, I leave completely refreshed spiritually. Seeing students, and, and a highlight for me is the Saturday morning when we get to be there and we see students come and share what God's done in their lives. And they take a few moments just to speak to us, to challenge us. And I know I sat there on Sunday morning and I know for sure the one girl ended up being from my youth group. And she shared once and shared testimony. She came back because I had to say something else she said. And she came up, she shared something. I was telling Pastor Jamie, I said, man, it just, it rocked my world because the, the profoundness of our students. And, and she was sharing about the, 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 the stars in the sky. And how sometimes they're bright, sometimes they're not as bright and the clouds cover them over, but they're always there. And she said, that's kind of like God sometimes. You might not always see him active in, in every aspect all the time because sometimes it gets a little cloudy. But he's always there, and the sh- stars are shining brightly. And I was like, okay, that's good. And then she says, but until you get your eyes off of the ground, you can never see the stars. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And she's like, you've got to get rid of the, the things of life and the stuff that you, you live in to focus on Jesus. And I'm like, I'm writing that one down and using it someday. So I'm kind of pre-using it right now. But that was from one of my 13-year-olds. So anyways, praise God. It was an awesome week. And thank you, as Pastor Andrew said. And I know your church and many others were praying for God to do something awesome this year at camp. And uh, he did again. He 
touched lives again. Kids got saved again. Kids got transformed for Christ. Kids got set free from stuff they've been hanging on to for a while. And some of the stories of these students, they would blow your minds. Some of the stu- stuff that you just shared about, you know, 17 and alcoholic, and some of these kids are there. They're doing that thing. They faced things in, in a 17-year in, in history maximum that most of us have never, ever even thought of experiencing. And so thank you for continuing to pray. I know as a, as a close church, you guys are involved in the camp and investing it in work days and different things like that. Thank you for your love um, for Christ, which is being exhibited through your care, your prayers, your support of camp. It really means a lot to me. Uh, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus there. back. I've been going to that camp since I was 12 years old. And uh, I got called in the ministry there in the old tabernacle. I remember the spot in the room where God called me during family camp when they almost kicked me out. They almost kicked me out, Peg, because I wasn't always, like, you know, respectful and stuff. And, and, but they let me stay. The camp committee had a meeting, and they let me stay. That was good. I was 14, I think, or 15. And, uh, and God called me in the ministry. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in that place at the old altar, the front tabernacle, which is now the, 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 the west side of the building. So it has a really special, dear place in my heart. And to be able to come back, and I've been able to be part of everything in that campground, from causing trouble, to peeling potatoes, to night watch, to evening speaker one year, to, to directing the camp, and, and, and making sure that students have an opportunity, like I did, to know Jesus. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your story. And as I was sitting there listening to your story, the thing that hit me so profoundly was, my God is an absolutely transformative God. He changes lives, and that is miraculous. Because the story you shared, ready to, to give your own lives, to take your own lives, sorry. And God came and said, nah I got a plan for you guys. That is a miraculous God that we serve. And sometimes we look for the healing. We look for something like, like very dramatic. You know, in the sense of, I want to see limbs grow, or I want to see cancer be healed, which happens. But one of the most powerful transformations of of examples of my healing God is when a life who is living in hell is now delivered and living in heaven. Praise God. So thank you for doing what you guys do. There's a story I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm looking at the time, 11.08, so I'm here till 12.35, I think I was told, eh? Yeah, no, it's okay. Ron Emery would probably get up and walk out if that was the case. <clears throat> I used to be a youth pastor in Ron Sue's church back in Elmira. So that was a couple of years ago with Pastor Brian Steed, and those were some good years there, and that's where I got married and everything else, and I uh, still have a lot of great memories of a lot of uh, the students that connected there. So it's good to see you guys again. There's a passage of scripture in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 7. Verses 3 to 20. And I'm not going to read the whole story here, but I kind of just want to lay a little bit of a foundation here. Things were really, really bad in this uh, time, this day and age for Israel. They had been surrounded by the Assyrian army. They were held under siege. Food wasn't coming in. Water supplies were cut off. People were starving. People were dying. Things weren't going well in that community. <clears throat> And so what happened was, of course, the prophets were there, and they were praying that God would set them free, God would deliver them, but things were so bad. They were so bad. People weren't, weren't able to eat. They were so bad that they were selling vials of bird dung. 
so that they could, yeah, growth, eh? I mean, any, we struggle from time to time, right? Right? Sometimes, you know, if you've ever gone on a portage trip, you don't get to eat like you normally do. You little freeze-dried things or do a little quick stuff. And at the end of camping, you enjoy it. But it's like, I want to get a good meal when I get home, you know? At camp, we serve good food and our cook does a great job. I'm not a huge pasta guy, but, but pasta is cheaper. So you, you got to make a few pasta meals. I look forward to getting home and just not having pasta. Like, that, that's the way it is. But, but it was so bad here. They were eating vials of dung. Things weren't good. There was a lot of despair. Well, there was an especially uh, one group of people who were under despair because they were treated, mistreated, I'll say, all the time. A group of lepers. They weren't given anything. They weren't even allowed to be in contact with anybody. And so as the story goes on here, these lepers, finally they came to the place that, you know what? We're dying. We're literally physically dying. We're, we're starving to death on top of that. Nobody wants us in the city walls. Let's just leave. Let's just go to the Syrians and hope that before they kill us, because they fully anticipated dying, but before they kill us, let's just hope that they give us a meal so we can die with food in our bellies. And so they left. They went to the enemy camp. When they got there, they found that there's nobody there. The tents were wide open, there's food laid out, and, and there's nobody around. So they did what any smart person would do. They just consumed. They ate, and they ate, and they ate, because they hadn't been eating. It was a good, good time for them. But here's where I want to pick things up. And I'm just, this is just launching things here for us this morning. Finally, after eating and consuming, they said to each other, This is not right. This is not right. This is wonderful news. And we aren't sharing it with anyone. You see, I think sometimes as we come to a place in our stories where we experience the transforming power of God and we're changed and things are never the same, we consume and it's good. We come to church and we receive because we haven't received for so many years. We lived in despair. We didn't know anything but the old way of living. And now we have an encounter with Christ that is, it's just liberating. 2 Corinthians 12 says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We have it. We experience it. And, and why wouldn't we? We consume. We come to church. We enjoy church. We, we enjoy brothers and sisters in the Lord. We, we enjoy worshiping. With Jeremy, great job this morning, buddy. It's funny. I was talking this week uh, about camp and we were going on about the old days when I was doing night watch when somebody said, and the kids today are pretty easygoing. Yeah, George sneaks out every night, but you know what? It's, yeah, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Not compared to the stuff we used to do. And I'm not going to share what those are, George. And so we got there and we said, well, do you remember the last time it was bad? We said, yeah, when Jeremy Bullian was a camper. That's the last time. So George, don't talk to Jeremy about what he used to do and what happened with him and Morgan. So those are days gone past. They were good, right, Jer? <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll talk later. And so we come to this place where we experience the, the move of God. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's good. And so we consume. But these lepers in that place of consuming said this, This is not right. This is wonderful news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Let's go back, verse 9, and tell the people 
at the palace. Lord God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts. God, I know, Holy Spirit, that you have something real precious for each of us, Lord. You know where we're at in the journey. And I know that you have a great plan and a purpose for every single one of us, young and old. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear this morning. In your precious name, amen. So, we've been given good news. And we need to share that news. And I, and I know that I'm speaking to the choir. I, I know that we get it. We've received from Christ. We, we've received the truth. We've received the gospel. It's changed our lives. We've been enjoying it. And I know in our walks of life, we're people we work with, uh, people we garden with, people we, we go to the golf course with, we sit in a boat with, you know, we, we talk about like your, your friend who would come to you, I can't remember his name, Dick, at the store, and he would say, I'm blessed. And he began to share his story with you. We do that. that that's, I, I know we get that. So I'm not, I'm not here to talk this morning about the need for us as followers of Christ who are consuming of the goodness of God, keeping this story to ourselves. I, I know you are, and I want to encourage you to keep sharing your story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20 I know we're very familiar with this, says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a familiar scripture with us. The lepers, in in, in essence, got this principle. i got to go and tell people. And so we've heard many sermons about going and telling all nations about the awesomeness of our God, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what, what, what uh, the Shenamans are doing, you know, as a family. They're going up to Sandy Lake and they're, they're, they're telling people about Jesus. They're loving on people. But there's something else that they're doing that I really want to share about this morning. This news that we have is good. And we just can't keep it to ourselves. It's never an option to keep the great news of the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ to ourselves. Now, most often time we'll see, well, the most important part of this commission is the word go. And in the English language, we understand it as we've got to go. But unfortunately, when we, when we focus in on this command in the idea of this English understanding of to go, it means that, well, I'm sitting here in the pew and, and you know, Pastor Jamie has probably shared many, many messages about, about getting up and going and sharing your faith and let's, let's live out our lives, you know, for, for Inglehart and surrounding area to get it, you know. And the Shenemans got it and they're going to Sandy Lake again. They're going to minister there. And we get this idea that the word go is to get up and go do something. That's actually not what this word means. It gives us the wrong idea of the commission. That it's an action that we have to go and do. You see, the going can't be a program of our churches. It can't be one of the things that we do. We are a going church. We run events. We make sure we have three or four scheduled events on our calendar that we go and do. And we've checked them off. Oh good, we did them this year as well. See, the truth is that people and not programs, need to be our focus. And the relationships that we form in the community will guide us on how we invest in their lives. See, if people are our focus, then the programs that do occur and will occur and should occur 
will happen as a result of the needs that are discovered out of our relationships. There's a lady in our church. Her name is Sylvia. And uh, Sylvia is, uh, is uh, just a single lady. Um, she's, she's, and I'm going to be cautious here, but she's in her late 50s. And um, um, Sylvia just has a heart for people. And so there's this resource center that's been opened up in the last year uh, downtown in, in, a, in, a, in a very difficult part of the community, right downtown. It's only about two blocks away from us. <clears throat> And so Sylvia really had this heart to go and meet with them because she really just, she had a dream 25 years ago that something would take place ministry-wise on our corner where we are in Queen and Bruce. She literally, legitimately had a dream that ministry was taking place in the downtown of Sault Ste. Marie. And she didn't see the summit, but she saw ministry on our corner. So lo and behold, when she drove by her church about six years ago and saw a church there, she lived on the island in, just outside of the Sioux, uh, on St. Joe's Island. It just, it, that dream was revived in her, and she's been a part of our church ever since. But she went over to this Gore Street that got started up by the police services in town to try to bring some care. They, they provide free medical care, free dental care. Uh, throughout the week, they do free, we got people in our church now that go and give haircuts every two weeks. We have a barber and a hairdresser. They go in. And so she's gone there, and she started all this with a heart for the people. And she went in to build relationship. She went in just to care and say, how can I serve? Where are their needs? And they're all volunteers there that run the center. So she went in and started serving. And they found out she was a Christian. The big, you know, whoa, 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 uh, you know, came on and said, we don't want church here. This isn't for the church. We don't want to hear what you have to say. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to share anything. I'm just here to serve. What do you need? Well, six months later... Um, they were asking her if she could bring in information about our church so that we can get the word out to the people because of the love and the care that she's shown. Since then, as a church, we're going in now every Thursday, and I missed it this Thursday because it was a camp, and we just provide free hot dogs for people coming in. And it's just a simple, simple thing. We have people going in, I said, cutting hair now. We have people going in and playing games in the evening on Thursdays when they're open for all the community to drop in. Out of the relationship that was formed with people... The needs surfaced. We decided to provide care for those needs. Now, I want them to know Jesus. But they ain't listen to me about Jesus until they have a hot dog in their belly sometimes. Programs can't be the focus. You see, the actual Greek word for go means as you are going or having gone. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. See, the action is not to go, to get off your seat and go do something. The action is make disciples. Because when Jesus spoke these words to the disciples, it was under this assumption they're already going out living their lives for Jesus. They're already a shining light, Rebecca, in the midst of the darkness that you talked about on Saturday morning. They're already a light. They already got it. They're already shining. They're already different. So as you are going... Make disciples of all nations. Don't just live in the world. Don't just be part of the world. Don't just share good news. Make disciples of everyone. See, going is about the lifestyle of you and I as followers of Jesus. 
We should be going. It's who we are. It's not an event. It is who we are. And this is where, where it surfaces kind of the key of my message this morning. And I got ten minutes. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 8. I'm just going to read it in my notes here. If that's okay. Verse number 8. It becomes really the passion of who I am and why I do what I do. Why I come to camp year after year from the suit to just to be here and to pour into students and leaders. You see, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, this life verse for me that I've stumbled on a couple of years ago, and it's just, it's kind of shaped even more and, and sort of maybe expressed why I am the way I am. It's about intentional disciple making or mentoring as a lifestyle. See, I can't just tell people about Jesus. I can't. It's become too easy. I'm called to something different. I'm called to mentoring. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter this morning, but this verse, number eight, really depicts the lifestyle that shaped me and that I hope that you can hear this morning. Verse number eight, Paul is speaking to the church in Thessalonica, and he wants them to know what ministry is all about from his perspective. And he simply says this verse, verse number eight, being affectionately desirous of you, having a heart for you, the people, he says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel. As a church, we got that down, right? We have events, we share the gospel, we share the message, we, we maybe leave it in a track form. We, we got that sharing of the good news down. But Paul says, my heart beat so much for you that I didn't only want to tell you about Jesus, he said. I didn't only share with you the gospel, but also our own selves. And this, friends... It's the key to, as you are going, making disciples of all nations. It's not just about the telling of the good news, which is good. And I'm glad the lepers went back and shared the good news. It's about the next stage, which is the giving of your very own selves. See, the verb make disciples is about a never-ending, lifelong task. It's about intentionally mentoring, investing in, and walking with others. This is what we're called to do. If you read verse 8, verse 9, Paul says, not only did I share with you, and this is the idea that he gives, not only did I share with you the God, God's word, God's truth, the gospel. He said, I shared with you my very own self like a nursing mother would. Now those who have nursed, you understand what it is to have a child yearn for you and to you to caress them, to care for them, to give them your very own life. You're sharing with them you, what's within you, and you're nurturing them because that's what they need. They desperately need you. When my little daughter gets to that stage, it doesn't matter what I try to do with her, it doesn't matter, you know, what I try to give her. She wants mama. And that's all that will suffice. She needs so desperately mama. And Paul says, like a nursing mother, I gave you my very own self. And I hear my wife, four kids later, ah, oh, would they just like get off? Because it gets this point in life where it's like, she can't go anywhere. 
Not for any length of time, because she needs to nurse. I'm like, okay, honey, go. You got a couple hours before. And I, sometimes I'm texting her, babe, you got to get home. She's lost it and I can't do anything. I've only been gone an hour. I know. And I, I'm a weak man. I can't deal with this. Please come home. You know, you, you're, you're stuck. It's hard, right, moms? You've experienced it, you've gone through it because you're connected constantly. You can't just be free and say, see you next week. You can't drop your kids off at youth camp and say, have fun, I'm going to have a little break. You can't do that when you're nursing. You just can't. And so Paul says, not only did I share with you the gospel of God, I shared with you my very own life. And what I want you to know is this type of disciple making is hard. It's difficult because it ties you down. It's not about, now that I shared with you the gospel, I've prayed with you a prayer, I've introduced you to Pastor Jamie in our church, he can preach at you every Sunday. I'm gone now, i got to go do things. I did my job, I told you, and now it's up to you, Pastor Jeremy, to run a great program that will care for them. That's not what I read anywhere in Scripture. We are called, as we are living our lives, as we are working, as we are golfing, as we are fishing, as we are gardening, as we are doing the things that we do, we are called to make disciples by sharing our very own selves with them. Paul makes a statement in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Man, this is hard. This really puts the onus on us. How many people have ever heard someone say, don't follow me, I'm just... I'm a sinful man or a woman. Look to Jesus. Ever heard that statement before? Don't look at me, just look to Jesus. Because I'm not all that I should be. Paul says this statement actually in 1 Corinthians 11.1. Follow me as I follow Christ. You want to see how to live like a follower of Jesus? Then look at my life. I'm going to show you what it means. I'm going to be Jesus, in an essence, incarnate. You want to understand what it means to be like Jesus? Look at my life. How many welcome that, 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 intro, that, that, that investigation into our lives? How many welcome that this morning? <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? Because how many have dropped the ball before? Anybody? Have you ever dropped the ball in your faith? Have you ever said or done something you shouldn't have done? Have you ever acted in a way that isn't all that honoring to God? Have you ever done that? Even as a Christian for many years? I do all the time. I open my mouth and go, Dah, why did that come out like that? I didn't mean that. But it, I'm a fleshly person. It's in there. I'm always wrestling with what God wants and what my flesh wants. Paul says, you want to know what it is to follow Jesus? Then look to me. The Greek word that's used here for follow is this. You're going to love this one. Mimites. Mimitates me as I mimitates Jesus. And what do you think that word means in direct translation? To uh? To mimic. Mimic me as I mimic what it means to follow Jesus. We are called to be mimics of Christ. To give people our very own selves. So, so, so picture this though now. If I go to somebody and I say, and I have people in my church that I invest in very intentionally... And I say, look at my life. 
I am going to show you what it means to be a Christian. I love Pastor Andrew. This past week, he came to me and asked if he could take a group of students that really wanted to learn because he started at family camp, that wanted to learn what it meant to grow in Jesus and how to grow in Jesus. And every single morning before breakfast, he took them into another room and he showed them how to study God's Word together. How to connect personally with Jesus. He didn't just tell them to go do it. He was there with them, showing them getting up early before everything else started, to be with them to model reading God's Word and praying. See, to mimic Jesus, to, to, to have people in your life watching you live for Jesus is hard because now you're forced to make sure that you're living for Jesus. You're, you're putting a check on your life all the time. How you're acting, how you're treating others, how you are in relationship with Jesus. Because if you invite people in and you're sharing your very own self, you want to make sure that you're sharing them life milk, not popping chips. That wears out real fast and gives you a stomach ache. Right? You've got to make sure that what I'm giving them is something worth following. But the only way that this can happen is if we give them access into our lives. 2 Thessalonians goes on in verse number 11 and 12. So he shares firstly about this idea of giving, giving them our very own selves and, and like a mother would, a nursing mother would. But the second thing is in 2 Thessalonians eleven twelve, and it reads like this. And like a father, like a father with his children, he says, we exhorted each one of you and we encouraged you and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. There are three words here that Paul uses, and, and I'm, I'm coming to a close here. There are three words that Paul uses this morning. He says, like a father, like a dad, we exhorted you. The first word he said. Now what that word means, is it means to call you, to guide you, to instruct you in good character through good teaching. It's kind of the verbal aspect of guiding somebody in by discipling someone. Not only am I sharing you my life, so you're with me, you're, you're, you're hanging out with me, you're connected with me. When I go fishing, I bring you with you so you see me live for God. When I go golfing, I bring you with me. When I have to make a run into town to get some things, I bring you with me. I want you involved in my life. My door is open. There was a couple this morning uh, at camp this year, uh, a youth pastor and his wife, and, and they're pastoring the community. And this one student that they're sharing with I'll just say mom and dad aren't always what they should be. And so they just simply said, you can stay at our house whenever you want. You can come and just be in our home whenever you want. And this young man calls them, jokingly, mom and dad. Because they have caught this idea of giving their students their very own selves. No matter how time-consuming it is, sometimes how frustrating it is, discouraging it can be at times, because it does, it wears on you. Parents, we know. I love my children. I love them. But there are days I just want to go away from them, right? Because it's hard sometimes. It doesn't get easier just because you're mentoring an adult, because there are times that the ones that you shared, you loved enough to share the gospel with and cared for, they will annoy you. It happens. It's okay to take a breather. But sharing your life is, man, it, it calls you to a lot. 
It's a huge responsibility, massive commitment, but it's what we're called to. But like a father, we're called to exhort. Exhort is to speak to them, to share with them what the good news is, what the gospel is. What Pastor Jamie would do on a Sunday, what Pastor Andrew does with your students, I'm sharing you with truth. I'm exhorting you on how to live for Christ, giving you information. And, and it's a good part. It's a good aspect. My dad growing up was always trying to show me different things. You go fishing with Chad Benneke, he will show you how to fish. It was awesome. We were fishing this weekend because I get to get out every now and then. And we went out with our youth director from uh, our, our uh, Western Ontario District's youth director, Mark Caldwell. And we're in the boat and Mark's up at the front of the boat and we're trolling along the shoreline and Mark's catching. And I'm telling you, every other cast, fish on, and he's bringing them in. And they're all like little pikes, big pikes. It's all in between. And I'm like, I'm at the back of the boat. And I'm telling you, I just had a real stressful like afternoon there and dealing with some stuff that weren't that fun that you don't need to know about. And I'm trying to relax, and I'm getting more frustrated because fish on. And I'm like reeling it in, and nothing's happening. And finally, I just remembered, two years ago, when I caught that big walleye, you kicked me out of the front of the boat. You go to the back, and I'm going to the front of the boat. So I switched. He said, sure, no problem. Go to the front of the boat. And I'm in the front of the boat. And right away, oh, I catch a, I catch a pike finally. But I'm like, I'm not this. I catch one. He had 15. I was frustrated. Finally, Chad, as gentle as he was, said, well, you know, there's also a way in how you're supposed to reel it in. I'm using the same bait you are. I'm tossing to the same areas you are. But you're bringing them in, and I'm not. What am I doing wrong? Well, your lure's too low. Let me show you how to reel it in properly. And they show, showed me how to reel with the right speed so I can actually see the lure from the back wall, bringing it in just about a foot under the water. And I saw it, and I saw it. I saw one big head just go, fish on! I brought that baby in, 29-inch walleye. Thank you for the teaching. Because that's the aspect of what it is too. You need to show people how to live for Jesus. So Paul says, like a dad, let me exhort you. Let me teach you. So that you can carry this on as you grow in Christ. The second thing he says is let me encourage you like a dad would. To encourage means to support, to comfort, to come alongside and to walk with someone. I love that. This is something dear to my heart. To be compassionate. To walk with people. Because we don't always get it all the time, do we? We drop the ball. We make mistakes. But to have somebody down your throat because you dropped the ball, that's not really that encouraging. So like a dad, walk with them. Build them up. Zane's out there, my, my seven-year-old, and we came up a little while ago to fish, and Pastor Jamie and Chad and I went out, and Zane's just trying, eh? He's trying, and it's, you know, he casts, and it goes 20 feet up in the air, and it drops in front of him, and he's trying to get it going. Chad showed him a little bit more, and the coolest thing was, like, Zane finally gets a cast, and it's, like, five feet further than the last one, and what comes out of Chad's mouth? Awesome cast! You're getting it now, guy! Good job! And the next one's three feet further. Way to go! Good job! What do you think that does to my son Zane? You know what I mean? It's feeling good now. I'm casting. Mr. Chad knows how to fish, and he thinks I'm doing a good job. Like a dad, as you are investing in someone, as you're pouring into their lives, as you're exhorting them to how to live for Christ, give them a pat on the back as you're doing it. You know? 
When they drop the ball, don't be down their throat. Encourage them. Say, it's okay. You'll get the next time. I know you fell. I know you struggled. I know you know what it means to, to live like Jesus. And yeah, last night wasn't wise. We know that. Let's talk about it. But let me love on you. Let me encourage you as you endeavor to follow Jesus. And, and, and that's where my heart is. I, I have guys in my church that I'm investing in. And they'll come to me just brokenhearted and like, Jer, I, I was an idiot, man. I was an idiot this week. Okay, let's talk about it. And, and for me, it just comes easy. I give him a big hug and say, dude, it's okay. God's heard your heart. You've shared your heart. The Holy Spirit's given you the power to do what's on your heart to do. Let's walk together. It's okay. The journey in Christ isn't this long, right? It just keeps going on until we meet him face to face. I shared with the students yesterday, we all made commitments at camp this week, many, many, many students. I won't live like this anymore. I won't do this anymore. I'm going to make a stand from here on in. I'm going to this. And I encourage them, as you are living out that commitment that you made, and you trip and fall because there's still stuff in your life, just get up and keep running. Because Paul says it's about finishing the race. It's not about a great start. It's about a great finish. And so as a dad... I want to encourage people to walk for Christ. And I want to encourage you, like a father, don't just exhort and tell people what to do. Encourage them as they're trying to live out the faith. And the third thing that Paul says, he says that we need to implore or charge people to walk in a manner that's worthy of God. What does he mean? This is about insisting they walk in a godly manner. I love how Paul puts that after the encouraging part. Because there's also an, an, uh, an expectation to expect or implore people to walk properly. Jesse, can you come here for a minute? Give me a hand. This is the idea of, of charging or imploring as a dad. Come up here. Front. This is the idea. I just met Jesse this week at camp because I didn't know him last year because he said I wasn't a Christian last year. For 10 months now, I've been saved, and that's awesome. So this is what is about doing when somebody says to you, I want to walk with you, and I want to implore you to walk in a way that's uh, worthy of God. He, basically, it's this idea of a dad with their little kid and, and fathers, whether your kids are old or still young. You know what I'm talking about. When, when Jesse wants to go that way, father implores, no, 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 this way. And when, you know, Jesse wants to go over here and he's trying, no, 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 I said this way. I'm imploring you to come this way. The grip gets a little firmer on the hand. You know what I mean? I, no, no, you're coming with me. I know you have an idea, but no, you're coming this way. No, I want you to sit right there. Yes, yeah, sit right down, right there. Thank you. And you know, as parents, we know how to do that in a way in public that, that everybody thinks we're just smiling and good, but our kid knows I better do this or I'm dead meat. You know what I mean? It's this idea of charging you. You're not going where you want to go. And for a while, my little Decky, when he would like want to take off across the parking lot, I'm like, squeeze. No, you're coming with me. And, and he's like, Daddy, that's squeezing. Yes, it is. And I can do it with a nice smile. Because I'm imploring you to follow me. And as fathers, as moms, we give our very own selves. We care, we nurture. As dads, we exhort. We have to teach you, instruct you. We, we encourage you as you're learning and expressing it. And there are times that we need to implore out of relationship, out of love for each other, 
They know that you are caring for them. You are imploring them to walk in a manner that's worthy of God. Because when we stray off the path, there are consequences, right? Things happen. And as a parent, we know if you run out in front of that car right now, you could die. I know you'll be mad at me. You won't be happy if I implore you to come back. But it's not about me right now. It's about you. And I care so desperately for you that I will speak firmly, lovingly, imploringly into your life about the decisions that you're making. There was a young lady in my church that we love so much. She's a beautiful woman, just awesome love for God. And, and she was on my council. And, and, and she was still single. And she was nearing 30. And she said, you know, Jer, I just so desperately want to be married. I said, I get it. I, I get it. And praying and asking God to just bring the right man into her life. And she started to date a young guy that was attending our church. And he wasn't a Christian yet. Because she said, I dated a Christian and he treated me so horribly. This guy's not a Christian. And he treats me 50 times better than that Christian guy. And I just, I'm sick of being lonely. I get it. And so in love, I sat her down and I said, I need to share this with you. I love you. I so love you. But I need to tell you that what you are doing is not wise. And here is why. Well, that relationship didn't sour. She continued to date him for a bit. And then I got an email about two months later. Jer, thank you for caring enough to speak truth. I finally came to my senses and realized this is not what God has for me. You need to implore. You need to encourage. You need to exhort. I come to an end. As a father, as a pastor, as a coach, it's, it's part of my heart and what I do. I've realized many things over the years, but one of the most important things is this. Growth, excelling, maturity, it doesn't just happen on its own. See, my kids are getting bigger. I ain't doing a lot to do that. They're just going to get bigger. My 11-year-old is almost the height of my wife. Nothing I can do about that. He's just going to grow. But just because Titus is going to eventually surpass me in his height doesn't mean he's going to be mature. It doesn't mean he's going to be wise. Just because we sit there as grown adults who have our own careers, own our own homes, pay our own bills, doesn't mean that we're wise. It doesn't mean that we're mature. It takes our responsibility to disciple. As we are living our lives, what we need are people who will come alongside of us, who will nurse us like a mom would, care for us, who will also speak truth into our lives by exhorting us. They will encourage us and walk with us, and they will implore to walk in a manner that's worthy of God. My heart is this. I don't want to just be about telling people about a great God. I want to disciple people. I want to walk with people and give them access into my life. One of the most difficult things I had was a guy that I led to the Lord came to me on a Sunday morning when we first planted the All Ages Church it just got started, walked up to me at the back door with what I assumed with his wife, because I had a little baby, and says to me, Hi, 
My name's Chris. This is my wife. We're not married. What do you have to say about that? Very first handshake at the door, that was what I encountered. I smiled. I said, it's not about what I'm going to do about it. It's about what you and God want to do about it. Okay? And that was it. Over a process of time, he phones me up. I got to move out of my bed because I'm not married to my wife. And so I'm going to be on the couch. So we got to start planning a wedding. And so we got that process through, led her to the Lord in marriage counseling, got them married, got them saved and growing. He ends up buying a house right next door to me, literally, because we became the closest of friends. I couldn't even sit on my desk, deck to relax with a cup of coffee without him saying, Jer, what you doing today? He was literally right there in my life. And to this day, he is the dearest friend. They are the dearest friends to my wife and I on the face of the planet. But he had access to my life, every aspect of it. My heart is to, if you're going to lead people to Jesus, it's not going to be easy. And what you guys are doing up in Sandy Lake, going and knocking on a kid's door, you could be like every other school and just let it go on, right? We're caring for kids. We're teaching them. If they don't want it, they don't need it. That's fine. It's your choice. But you're going the extra mile, and that's tiring. And that hurts, especially when that kid, yes, the kid got 99%, but there are some kids that don't. And it breaks their hearts. Because when you give of your life to people, they will hurt you from time to time. But we're not called to worry about that. We leave that with God. But we are called, First Thessalonians 2, to give them not only the gospel, but our very own self. And I want to encourage you as a church to continue on the good that you do in this community sharing the gospel. I want to encourage you to take the huge step of commitment to embrace people in your life. Have them in your home. Walk with them. Even though it's very difficult, the struggles are very evident, but give them your very selves. This is what we're called to do. And I'll leave four little points here from an author named Michael Frost in a book called Exiles. He shares four points that will help us do this. You can jot them down if you're a quick enough writer, but I'm not going to take a ton of time. The first is this. You need to share your life by building relationships in the community. I'm glad you guys do the the Sunday night get-together. That's actually really, really cool. Jamie and I talked about that this week. That's really fun that you do that. Um, But you need to share your lives like that in the community. Have your neighbor over for dinner. Yeah, but, but, but Jeremy, he, he swears a lot. And your point? Build relationships with people in your community. The second thing is this. Communicate in a way that people understand you. Right? It's great that you know Jesus and you know all the fundamental truths and you understand the difference between justification and sanctification. That's awesome. But there are people in your community that have a sweet clue what you're talking about. I've had a woman come into my church, 31 years old, had never stepped into a church in her entire life. Mind-boggling to me. But, but that happens all the time now. They don't get churchiness. Church ling- they don't. And so communicate in a way that people can understand what Jesus has done in your life, how He's made you different. The third thing is this. You need to go to people and not expect them to come to you. I came up with this the other day because I used to say it all the time, we want to be a lighthouse for Jesus, right? Because we're going to be a light on a hill. We want to be a lighthouse for Jesus. I'm like, I don't want to be a lighthouse. I want to be the Coast Guard. 
Because the Coast Guard actually goes out into the storm with their light shining bright and they go to the people to rescue them. Lighthouses sit in the shore where it's safe, up high with a light shining and saying, stay away from these shores. They're bad for you. Coast Guard says, I'm going out because you're living in it. And I'm going to go where you are. And I'm going to bring you the light. The fourth and final thing is this. You need to communicate practically through acts of service, caring relationships, good deeds. Let's be like Jesus. Get out there and serve and get involved so that you earn the right to speak into people's lives. Bottom line is this. If we're going to make a significant difference in our communities, in your church, then we're going to have to share not only the gospel of Jesus Christ, but our very own self. Lord, I just pray this morning, God, that we would be able to live out this mandate, this life that you've called us to live. God, you already knew it wasn't going to be easy, and that's why you left the Holy Spirit to empower us, to strengthen us, to comfort us, Lord. I pray that we would continue to shine and shine brightly. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would invest our lives into this world so that we can bring as many of our friends and co-workers and classmates and neighbors with us into your presence. Father, I pray now a huge blessing over this church. I pray that Living Way would continue, Lord, to model the way into this community. That friends and neighbors would see through their lives, Lord God, through their involvement, through their care, their love. They would see who you are. God, they would desire you because of what this church is doing and living. I pray your blessing on Pastor Jamie and Michelle, on Ashley and Andrew. God, as they pour into this church in different aspects, to all the ministry leaders, Lord, who take the time week after week to prepare, to pray, to, to engage with, with the community, with this church. God, I pray your protection. I pray your strengthening. I pray continued increased vision, Lord, on how to reach this community for Jesus. I pray all this now, Lord. And especially, I pray again over the Shenemans. God, as they answer your call, as out of, out of the transformation that you have done in their lives, God, they answer the call to be part of your transformation into another community. Bless them, protect them, Rebecca and their children, God, as they give of themselves in this community. All of this, God, we do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. What a-